Hey, Sarah. I thought I was going to do just real quick cold open here. Okay. Run a new tagline by you. Sure. Okay. Instead of a halfway decent podcast, what if we were an occasional podcast about art history? I feel like it's more true to us. Listen, man, I'm trying. Let's start the episode. Okay. Hey, welcome to Halfway Decent, a halfway decent podcast. Sorry, a halfway, halfway occasion, an occasional halfway decent podcast about art and history. I'm Mike. I'm Sarah, and I'm mad. <laughs> and we're back. <laughs> I got nothing. <laughs> this was your grand, your grand plan for a cold open, was just to call me out on how slow I am at my research. No, cool man. No, it was real cool. It was about both of us and our occasionalness. Feels hurtful. No, uh, hey, we have been pretty consistently monthly for almost a whole year. There you go. Let's just call it a monthly podcast and let it go. A halfway monthly podcast about <laughs> our history. <laughs> Fine. Okay. All right, Sarah. So <laughs> since I've distracted us long enough with nonsense, what do we got today? Today, we are going to be talking about the French artist Edward Manet. What do you know, Michael, about Manet? It sounds a little bit like mayonnaise. Sure. Not related, but... Monet? They were... F they knew each other. That's... But not the same artist. Did you say I'm warmer? Mm, sure. Then mayonnaise, then the condiment? Yeah, I'd say you're warmer by naming an artist who is a person. Thank you. <laughs> you're ridiculous. I don't know much about mayonnaise, though. I know of the name. Okay. I know he exists. Um, I know you pointed stuff out to me at times that was mayonnaise. Mm -hmm. That's about what I got. And you don't remember what I pointed out? Uh, they were in kind of a gray area. <laughs> So it sounds like you and our listeners who know nothing about Manet are pretty much in the same boat. <laughs> it's a good boat. Okay. <laughs> sounds good. All right. Manet was born in 1832 into an upper class family. His mother was the daughter of a diplomat and the goddaughter of the crown prince of Sweden, I guess. So. Sure. Like like one is one to do. Sure. Um, his father, however, was a judge, and Edward was expected to follow in his dad's footsteps into a law career. However, um, he had an uncle who was encouraging of his art career, and after Manet failed the Navy's entrance exam twice, Ooh. his father relented. Yeah. Um, so from 1850, no, sorry, 1850 to 1856... Manet studied under academic painter Thomas Couture, and he spent his free time copying the old masters at the Louvre. So when we say the old masters, um, those are artists who are fully trained masters of their local art guild. Um, that would include artists like that we've talked about, such as Van Eyck, El Greco, Rembrandt, as well as 
the Ninja Turtles, you know, Raphael, (laughs) Michelangelo, Da Vinci. And most importantly for this conversation, Titian, who is not an artist that we've talked about, but we will. It's on my list. Also, he is on my list. I definitely know who that is. It doesn't matter. It's fine. You're going to see some of his work. I'm definitely going to learn about him someday. Yeah. Tonight, you'll learn a little bit about him. To Today. Who knows what time it is for our listeners. Well, a peek behind the kimono. Stop. I hate that phrase. <laughs> Go on. It's my favorite. Sorry. Uh, we're recording at night is all I was going to say. That was definitely necessary. <laughs> Anyway, so then he opened his own studio in 1856. So the first piece that we're going to talk about is like his first sort of, hmm, I want to say masterpiece. We consider it a masterpiece now. I don't know that they did back then. Um, But his first work is called Luncheon on the Grass. And you can go ahead and, yep. Um, So this was done in 1863. And it is 82 by 104 inches long. So, so not, it's not big at all. Just, just real big. Um, and this piece was based on... So one thing that we'll learn about Manet is that he wasn't very good at coming up with his own compositions. Meaning like the placement of figures and pieces in the piece. So this particular one was lifted particularly from two pieces from art history one being um a piece by Raimondi um was it was called the judgment of Paris and then the other one is um, pastoral concert by Titian so um you can see in these um the uh judgment of Paris um it's from the bottom right corner of the piece Like I cropped it on this one, but um, you can see that the figures are almost identical to that of the luncheon on the grass. Mm -hmm. Um, Especially the reclining figure on the right is like his gesturing and everything. He's holding a branch in the original and a cane in the in the uh, Manet version, Um, but. You can tell that he just exactly copied from that composition. Left out the twigs and berries, but copied the rest of it. Correct. Yeah. So, um, and then in the pastoral concert, you can see that um, this was the treatment of a nude figure, a nude female figure with clothed male compatriots. Um, And so that kind of idea was what he was drawing from from the Titian. So in these reference paint pieces that he was using, um the nude the nudes are well they are that they're nude. So they are um nymphs or goddesses, um figures from history whereas in Manet's piece this is a naked woman sitting among modern men who are completely clothed. So this was like totally radical for his time. 
Because this woman, like I said, it's not like she is nude in the timeless traditional sense. Normally, you know, we think of nude figures, you are sort of, the viewer is separated from them in time and space, you know, like they're inaccessible to us because they're either part of history or they're part of mythology. Um, so that sort of removes their sexuality. Um, whereas this woman is a modern woman with a recognizable face, you know, amongst men modernly dressed. So she could be a woman you pass in the street. And that, along with her gaze, where she's actually like engaging the viewer, looking straight on, um, intrinsically sort of speaks to her own sexuality. Hmm. I mean, I, w I would also argue that um, today, if I was walking through a park and I saw two clothed guys and a naked lady, it would be a little bit radical sure. as well. Sure. But um, do you, I mean, if you were, okay, so yeah, if, if we were walking through a park and you saw anyone who was just sitting casually sitting around naked, that would be but a even, thing. But even more so, if they're sitting with two people who are completely clothed and... I mean, I feel like anytime you would see someone totally nude sitting out just at the park, it would be unsettling. You're right. But I'm sorry. if you saw Manet's piece in a museum yes. next to the Titian, yes. you'd say, oh, well, those are both art. Yeah. You know, like for us, still, you know, that even though they, it was modern at the time it was painted, she is still removed in time from us. Yeah. You know? So yeah. we can recognize that as a piece of art and not be shocked by it. Yes. I think it's interesting, too, that the the other one that he took, not Titian. Are they both Titian? No. Uh, okay. The other one is Raimondi. The one with Raimondi where all the dudes are naked. He's mm -hmm. like, I'm going to do the dudes, but I want them to have clothes on. The ladies, I definitely want to be naked, though. <laughs> well, the, you know, it's a tradition. Sure. You know, Weird. the female nude. Um, so a few other things about this, uh, about the Manet. Um, the brush strokes on the nude woman, um, are very thick and very tight, whereas the brush strokes everywhere else are pretty loose. Um, and so something that you have to know about Manet is that he came just before the Impressionists. Um, and a lot, like I said, to begin with, when we were talking about Monet at the beginning, he was friends with a lot of them and kind of started the movement in a way. Um, and so having this sort of impressionistic background and, uh, scenery around these figures that in itself was revolutionary, not even to mention the fact that there's this nude woman engaging with the viewer straight mm. on. Yeah. Um, the lighting here is very harsh, um, which means that the contrasts between light and dark are very stark, and there's not really much gradation. If you look back again at the, the Titian, um, the females have these sort of gradients of light and dark. Whereas the Manet model, 
there's very little shading on her a little bit under the thigh a little bit under the breast but overall it's pretty flat color um which might suggest i were so i read different things i read one place that means like oh yeah for sure this means they were painted in the studio somewhere else i read like well he was trying to demonstrate what it would look like if they were sitting in direct sunlight, like they would be in the bar. I'm like, I don't know what that. So there is, there's that. Um, I can't tell if it's uh, because she is incredibly pasty white mm-hmm. and the rest are clothed in dark clothes. Or if he was trying to make a statement by making like a highlighter on her where she just <laughs> stands out from the well, rest I mean, of it. Certainly she's supposed to be the focal point. Well, that's fair. Um, another thing to note um, is that the woman who is bathing in the background, which the original title of this piece was The Bath, I believe, which is kind of interesting considering... Not the focus. You know. But the woman in the background, if you do all of the math with the angles and everything, she's actually far too large yep. for where she is in relation to the rest of the figures they said if she was actually standing next to them she would be like 10 feet tall that's all i was gonna guess like 30 but <laughs> sure she's what is also remarkable about the lady who is taking a bath mm-hmm. is that the lady taking a bath has clothes is closed. <laughs> what are we doing it's true uh yeah i don't know um, Manet apparently was sitting with a friend on the riverbank and they were watching boats go by and Manet said, this is a quote, it appears I have to paint a nude. Well, I will paint one in the transparency of the air with people like those you see down there, gesturing to the people that he saw on the riverbank. The public will tear me to pieces, but they can say what they like. And they did. So this was submitted to the Salon in 1863. So I don't know if we've talked about the Salon a lot, um, but this was like the official art exhibit for the Academy of Art in Paris. This was an adjudicated art exhibition, meaning um, some pieces, right, it was judged not only on like some things are better, some things are worse, but like not everything made it in to sure. the art exhibit. You, you had to be accepted in exactly. order to be, yeah. Um, and the paintings were exhibited from floor to ceiling. And that's kind of how they showed how much the judges liked your piece. The good things, the quote unquote good art, would be sort of closer to High eye level, level yeah. whereas things would go higher the worse they were. Um, Michael, I know you haven't watched it and this might date this episode of the podcast, but for anyone who has watched Bridgerton, um, there's a scene where they are looking at art and they're critiquing it and talking about how this piece should have been quote unquote skied. That's what that means is that they think it should have been closer to the ceiling out of people's eyeline. It's, it's worse (laughs) than what, than what it it is. That's like a, at my job. We're building beams mm-hmm. that go on the ceiling, but I get to build the mantles, which are at eye level. Sure, Mike. That's exactly what it is. Um, so this was mm, you're oh, great, Michael. Thanks. Submitted to the 1863 salon, but it was rejected. 
However, the 1863 salon was kind of unique in that over half of the 5,000 submissions that year were rejected. Whoa. So because of this, Napoleon III established the Salon of the Rejected or the Salon de Refusés. And so only um, less than 500 of the other rejected artists chose to actually be in the Salon de Refusés. Um, but this piece was kind of the the highlight of that exhibition, oh. but not necessarily in a good way. Oh, so not like, like the best of the worst, but like... I mean, arguably it was, but also people like flooded to the this <laughs> refuse... <laughs> uh, Garbage dump. Yeah, exactly. And went primarily to laugh at the pieces that were shown there um and it was even even shown there was regarded like we've talked about scandalous indecent shocking um it tries to synthesize history painting and pastoral scenes and nudes into this modern sort of critique of art history in that way so it's almost like he was trying to make a conglomeration of a bunch of art history mm-hmm. into one photo, in photo, one art piece, yeah, and uh, maybe tried to arguably to do too much at once. Well, I would say more that he is trying to make a commentary oh, okay. on the art history, whereas you know, n- sort of nowadays we think of like sort of the best new like contemporary art is stuff that like pushes the boundaries and is you know trying to break through ceilings and walls and stuff whereas the salon is all about tradition sticking to tradition and who best follows (laughs) the traditional art methods in the best way um just a couple more notes on this one um the nude woman in the foreground it was one of his favorite models, Victorine Mirant, um, who we will actually see again in uh, future pieces. Um, the man on the left is Manet's brother-in-law, and the man on the right is his younger brother. <laughs> and so they, some people have called this the, the Manet family reunion, which is kind of silly. Yep. Also um, note that the naked woman in the foreground is also the only naked woman because the other one taking a bath is still clothed. Fair. So he Manet had a friend um, whose name was Emile Zola, and he was a defender of his art. Um, and so this is what Zola wrote of this piece at the time. This nude woman has scandalized the public who see her only on the canvas. My God, what indecency! A woman without the slightest covering between two clothed men. And this belief is a gross error, for in the Louvre, there are more than 50 paintings in which are found a mixture of persons clothed and nude. But no one goes to the Louvre to be scandalized. (laughs) He makes a fair point. Yep. (laughs) because like we were just talking about the pastoral concert and this one to us to our modern eyes you know they all belong in the same art museum 
but because this was put in the garbage salon right people went to point and laugh yeah um and part of it i think part of what along with the fact that this is a modern woman among modern men yeah and the whole conversation about her being a nude um something else that kind of makes it scandalous is that most other traditional pieces like i said draw from history or draw from mythology whereas this piece is modern so it looks like there's some kind of plot happening but you can't really tell what's going on like you can tell that it looks like a slice from something but the viewer doesn't really know what the storyline is here so it kind of leaves you kind of in the vague area well especially the the random pile of clothes and food down in the corner well that's the picnic what's up with that the luncheon on the grass sure obviously also those are her clothes that she took off for this picnic (laughs) i mean you know what when i picnic i i like to do so nude which is why i always do it in my backyard you can't do that in public mm, i don't think that's ever happened i could try i don't think you should we have neighbors yeah okay okay so before you hit the next button um so this this salon the one where pieces were actually accepted of 1863 it was dominated by female nudes Hmm. this means venuses there's nymphs odalisks which are female slaves within a harem that's what what they're called odalisks um and so in his next piece manet felt the need to take on the quote-unquote establishment the art establishment once again nope so uh this the next one um is called olympia it was done in 1863 so that same year as luncheon on the grass but it wasn't submitted until the 1865 salon Mm. so michael before you look at it i want to read you the description of um what someone wrote of this piece Um, I'm going to change a word because I don't think it's PC. Um, (laughs) But, okay, so. This image is a courtesan with dirty hands and wrinkled feet. Her body has the livid tint of a cadaver displayed in the morgue. Her outlines are drawn in charcoal and her greenish bloodshot eyes appear to be provoking the public, protected all, all the while by a hideous black maid did this one get accepted this one did get accepted wow because that was harsh and like okay seemed real mean okay so you got an image in your head of what this piece is going to look like probably not at all but all right go for it okay huh (laughs) is that what you were picturing no So what we have is a nude girl laying on the bed, on a bed, with a silk cover, sorry, a silk cover under her. Um, Once again, she has sort of a frank stare that challenges the viewer. Um, In this piece, because she's totally nude and sort of 
displaying her body, the viewer becomes the voyeur. Um, she is a prostitute and her maid is holding a bouquet of flowers from her John. suitor. Yeah. Um, and so because of the way she looks out at the viewer, it's as if the viewer is the one who came to pay her a visit as though we are the ones that gave the flowers hmm. and it's hard to see even in other images i don't think it's just the the one that i pulled for us but if you look at her feet at the very end of the bed there's a black cat with its with its back arched also staring at us right so it's as if the viewer is the one that caused that reaction in the cat hmm. Ooh, that's a there's a lot going on and i um wonder if the person who wrote that very kind review of this <laughs> painting uh maybe felt awkward and that's why he said they said he said the things he said yeah i'm sure it was a he right um well and that's the thing is that once again manet is sort of challenging this idea of the nude because most nudes from art history are sort of coy or demure you know they're looking away they're covering themselves right. and they just happen to be naked in your presence whereas this woman is looking you in the eye so yep. to speak um so it's not like we can just be pretend to be seeing the idea of beauty or oh i didn't notice that you were naked i was just looking at the lovely goddess you know she is naked and you are looking at her, and she is seeing you look at her. Ooh. But, hey, he made it into the salon with it. <laughs> he did. He did. Um, so, as you'll notice, the only ornaments she wears are she has an orchid, or I saw someone else um, called it a hibiscus, either way, um, a, a flower in her hair. Um, she's got a bangle on her wrist, a black ribbon around her neck, and one mule-style shoe on. The other one is removed. Um, the perspective has been basically eliminated. If you look at the bed and the positioning of the maid, it looks like the bed itself is no more than a couple of feet wide. Yeah. Um, and that's not because Manet didn't know how to do perspective. This is all intentional. Um, another kind of shocking part of this is that Olympia was a common name for a, a prostitute. Professional name is what huh. I've read online. Um, so, you know, like the way we think of like stripper names, <laughs> you know, you know what I mean? Like you can think of like... Oh, her name is Candy, and you're immediately like, okay. So not only did he paint her staring at the person looking at her naked, he also gave her names like, you know what's going on here. You know what's up. Absolutely. Huh. Pushing the buttons of the, uh, arist not aristocracy, but the, well, yeah. The tradition, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, again... Uh, here, the brush strokes are rougher than in the traditional academic paintings. Um, 
And this, like we talked about previously, he couldn't do his own compositions. This is absolutely a direct reference to Titian's Venus of Urbino. Yeah, it is. So, I mean, they're so similar. There's a green curtain behind them. There's a partition that separates the left half from the right half. Um, They are in a very similar pose. They have flowers. They have pets. Yeah. But they have very distinct differences. Fascinating. Like we said, um, the, the Titian version shows this background of perspective and he's there's even if you look through the window you can even see some landscape so he's trying to like show all of his skills within this painting whereas Manet's like don't worry about that <laughs> you need to focus yeah focus on this, the girl this is the thing I'm trying to say right um and so in the Venus picture up in the window that plant there is a myrtle which was a symbol of conjugal fidelity. Hmm, Which is the opposite. Alternatively, uh, Olympia is being presented a bouquet of flowers from a John. Yeah. Um, Again, at at Venus's feet, sleeps quietly a dog, which is always, forever, always the symbol of fidelity. You know, like we've said, Fido is, you know, that's what that means. Um, Whereas a cat, um, even in French, even back then, had the same sort of double entendre for female genitalia as it does in English now. I did not know that. So, so the excited, angry cat at her feet was a direct suggestion of this woman's sexuality. Manet was not afraid to say some stuff. He had some stuff to say. So he has once again sort of ignored all of the academic rules about form and modeling, light and shade, um, and instead painted her very flatly. Like we heard in that critique, um, a lot of people said she looked like a corpse because of this, because she has none of the traditional gradual shading that you would expect in traditional art she's thick outlines and the shading that she does have is in unexpected places so you'll notice like in the in the venus um, the shading is on the stomach around the breasts around the thighs whereas on olympia it's primarily on the hands and the feet which is why they described her as looking sooty or dirty Hmm. and it's interesting too because much like um the one the picnic one Mm -hmm. uh it looks like she's highlighted Mm -hmm. amongst the rest of the the painting yeah and something that i learned that i thought was super interesting so photography was a very very new medium at this time and (laughs) as goes the way with all new media as soon as pretty much as soon as it's invented it's perverted so with the invention of photography comes the invention of pornographic photography um which manet by no means would have been a stranger to which is why i included this other photo um it's a an example of some early pornographic photography 
where you can see some pretty close parallels to the way he has painted his Olympia to the photograph of this woman. Now, he didn't take a photograph to model her from, right. but um, I wonder if, <laughs> if that was kind of playing in his mind as far as um, the treatment of his nude, yeah. his naked woman. Once again, like we've talked about, he ignores the uh, rules of beauty, which idealize classical Greek art. Um, like we've said, Olympia is pale and thin, whereas Greek goddesses were more voluptuous, curvy women. Hmm. Yeah. I was actually, I was going to say, like, most of the models you see this time, like you said, tend to be more voluptuous. And I noticed that she looked much like a much thinner model Thin, than what you typically younger, see. Yeah. Right. Um, so, yeah, like we said, it was accepted to the 1865 salon, but it's suspected that it was that the that salon was accepting much more pieces because they didn't want to cause another salon of garbage refuse. Was it put on the ceiling? So interestingly, it wasn't. Huh. Um, it was pretty close to eye level, but it had to be guarded by two men because they didn't want angry, indignant visitors to scratch or puncture it. Um, and they ended up having, because people were so infuriated by this piece, they ended up having to pull it closer to the ceiling <laughs> to sky it not because it was such a terrible piece but because it made the patrons so angry that they were worried someone was going to ruin it Wild. um but the really sad part is like we were talking about originally with the kind of the rules of the salon um quote neither demonstrations of anger nor i could reach her at the heights that they had to put her at so that hmm. she wouldn't be damaged so um it horrified both the public and the critics because, you know, they, he was just shamelessly showing a prostitute. Um, and because of his rejection of the past and his sort of relentless use of <laughs> new forms of expression, he's often referred to as the father, father of modernism modernist being that he sought new artistic forms and strategies to express the essence of social modernity so for our final piece well i guess not final almost final um the the last one we're going to talk about at length um mike if you will take a look at that and i would like you to actually describe what you're seeing here uh looks like a bartender whoa that's fascinating i just realized something uh we'll describe it so it, she's a bartender uh she looks like she's waiting for a drink order and behind her is a mirror as it uh maybe not is it supposed to be a mirror okay sorry i'm a very good art critic and you should listen to my other podcast mike describes art <laughs> this is exactly why i had you do this michael i very eloquently describe what i'm seeing okay super well so anyhow Real quick, looks like there is, appears to be a mirror behind her, though now that I look at it, I don't think it actually is a mirror, but it looks like there's a guy talking to her, and then it feels like you are that guy talking to her. 
but I don't know if that's actually what's happening. You you did a great job, Michael. So this is called the bar at the Folie Bergère. Excuse my French. Exactly. It's kind of like a murder sort of situation. (laughs) Uh, But exactly like you've said, when you first look at it, you're like, oh, that's a lady and there's a mirror behind her. But as you look at it, you realize, how is that a mirror if her reflection is all the way over there and not directly behind her like a mirror should be. Yeah. So this is sort of the quote-unquote controversy of this piece. It should be a mirror. We'll say that. Um, Because, um, but (laughs) there are... There are kind of a lot of things. So initially you say, okay, it is it is a mirror. Um, we have sketches where he first started um, and the reflection is actually much closer to, to the woman so that they line up a little bit better. Um, and you can tell why you would want to sort of obscure that perspective because if you put her reflection where it should be, you're not going to be able to see it. Right. So if everything is lined up the way you would normally experience it, you're not going to see much more from the reflection, which kind of defeats the purpose of putting the mirror there to begin with. It takes away from what he's trying to do with the painting. Exactly. So he has shifted this reflection. And you can see that it's a mirror because there are sort of little... um, sort of smudges on the mirror i just thought it was bad painting but sure um also you can see at the bottom like sort of toward her wrists you can see that there's a gold frame around the mirror oh i see yep however that being said (laughs) now that we quote unquote agree that it's a mirror this is not a mirror this is also a smoky room so is it smoke? Is it smudges? Who knows? Secondly, if you take a look at, in particular, the bottles. this I just think it, this painting is so fascinating. So if you look at the bottles on the left, in the actual, on our side, we'll say, of the mirror, you can see that um, on the far left, there is a bottle of red something um this bottle actually has monet's signature on it so that's sorry did i say monet mayonnaise signature not monet he wasn't involved either one it's fine um next you can see a bottle of base base ale bass ale bass Bass i think it's bass um which is an english beer um, so that sort of represented the foreign clientele who would be coming, so the people coming from England to visit. Oh, this was at an actual bar. I don't know oh, if I okay. mentioned that. that this is an actual place that Manny visited, um, frequented, I should say. Um, and then you have your bottles of champagne. And you can tell from this, on this side of the mirror, that the bottles are at the very back of the bar, as if... Um, they're about to fall backwards onto the the barmaid. But if you look in the reflection, uh, yep. 
they are at the far, the front of the bar, <laughs> so to speak, <laughs> in the reflection. It looks like they're about to fall forward onto us. Yep. And um, in the on our side of the reflection, uh, the the red bottle with Manet's signature and the beer bottle look like they're right aligned. Whereas in the reflection, the beer is further back. So it's not a mirror. So is it a mirror? Who knows? You can also see in the reflection that she is leaned forward more. And her hair, you can see that it's pull, it's sort of swept back, sort of like a ponytail-ish thing. Yeah. But if it was pulled the way it is in that reflection, you would be able to see it beside her ears in our side. <laughs> but you can't. Yep. But you can't. Right. And, as you very astutely pointed out, there's a man in the reflection. And that's also the question is, is he us? But if you, again, do the sort of art math of perspectives and lines and things, the man, if you look at how close their faces are in the reflection, the man should be between the viewer and the barmaid. So he yeah. should be totally obscuring our view. So... This is the whole question of, like, what is going on in this piece? Once again, Manet, father of modernism, has given us a scene where it looks like there's plot. It looks like there's something going on, but we don't know. But no hints. So, like I said, this is an actual place. Um, it was a not only a bar, but sort of a, uh, an entertainment venue. Um I'm sure you probably haven't had the chance to notice. Um, but in this piece, they actually show the entertainment in the top left corner. You can see there's oh, trapeze. a trapeze yeah. <laughs> and just the, the bottom of her legs is showing. Um, it was strung with electric lights. So it was like a very modern place. Um, and it did have these bars that were all the way around the sort of balcony area with giant mirrors. Hmm. So the very real actual place did have a mirror. So we can assume that this is supposed to be a mirror. Was the idea so the patrons could like be ordering something and still watching the entertainment at the same time? You know, I don't know. I don't know if it was that or just like an aesthetic shiny interesting kind of a thing yeah. um but so if we were to go if we're gonna we're gonna take a few deep dives oh can i can i give it a real quick i don't want to get a bunch of emails from people about how to pronounce the name of that beer because all the emails and messages we get about stuff <laughs> i know don't at me <laughs> but, but i i pulled a mcelroy's and I got on Yahoo Answers because somebody answer, asked this question, and the the short the short answer is it is bass like the fish. Yeah. yeah. The but I want to give my favorite answer I found as I was scrolling through to check to Were make sure. Were you listening? Yes. We're not going to ask me what I listened. To. <laughs> I was listening. Though. You listen back later. It'll be fine. <laughs> I was listening. Uh, 
but I wanted to make sure like everybody was agreeing it's bass. But the second answer is my favorite because he asked and everyone's like bass, like the fish, bass, like the fish. Second answer, bass beer. Didn't actually answer the question because it could still be bass beer. Just <laughs> restated. What well done. Good job. Yahoo man. answers. It's the best. For the win. All right. Okay. So. Putting my phone away. Okay. Great. Excellent. So. Before I get too deep into the theories, we'll say, one thing um, I will mention is that this is one of his very last pieces. I think he did maybe one more, but this is certainly the last masterpiece that he did. Um, He was dying of a condition caused by syphilis. Too many of those ladies. Well, there were... A lot of people with syphilis. Well, back that's then. fair. Did run rampant. It was rampant. So um, he knew that he was dying when he painted this. Wow. So there is a tradition in art history that we haven't talked about um, because I think still life's, um, while they certainly have their place in art history, they're sometimes kind of boring to talk about. Sure. Um, but, um, there's a tradition called vanitas and it is the idea of memento mori, which is Latin, um, that basically means remember that you have to die. Hmm. So there still lives that, um, reminds us of the inevitability of death and the transient nature of life. So a lot of vanitas paintings include a skull somewhere that's kind of like an easy way to identify them when you're an art student (laughs) you see a skull and a still life vanitas 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 (laughs) um but um there are other symbols that are frequent in them including fruit because fruit is gonna rot Mm. um blooming flowers because they're gonna die um and even symbols of sort of richness or frivolity in the idea of, like, you can't take it with you. In this case, a bunch of bottles of champagne. And fruit and flowers. And fruit and flowers. Yeah. So um, it has been postulated that uh, Manet, in knowing that this is one of his last pieces, he's dying while he's painting it, um, that that is part of it not only that but also in showing this youthful barmaid kind of involved in that as well yeah yet again i remember why we decided to make a podcast that's so (laughs) uplifting and edifying (laughs) about death oh that's a different podcast okay so while you're all being sad about this um, let me bring you back up and make you think some more. Oh boy. So, um, it was, I forget now who it was. I think it was another artist that the man that she is talking to in the reflection is based on. If you look in the crowd, that same guy seems to be over here on the far left back right up at the the edge of yeah. the balcony 
It looks like the same guy. But, so I mean, he's a guy in a top hat and a mustache. They all are the same. Michael, play with me. Go on. So the idea, one of the theories is that, so you can see the the look on the woman's face. She looks like she's either bored or daydreaming or annoyed Looks or like, like most fast quick service blank. industry servers yes. yes so one theory is that she is caught up in a daydream that because of the reflection and the way the man in the top hat on the left gaze is it's possible that from his perspective he is looking at the barmaid and she is potentially fantasizing or thinking about the future. And that's what we see in the reflection. Perhaps what is in the reflection <laughs> is what she wishes was happening. Someone was talking to her? Like just anybody? Okay, so I guess this is where I have failed as a... Uh a narrator in this scene, um, that barmaids at the Folie Berger and similar establishments were not always just barmaids. They uh, had, they offered other services. Other positions. Other services oh. were rendered, potentially. Ooh, dicey. Yeah. So she was... Hoping to make money? Perhaps. Okay. Perhaps it, maybe it wasn't that. Maybe. She found him really attractive. Correct. Maybe. maybe he could offer her a better position in life. Maybe it was Manet fantasizing about some girl fantasizing about him. Truly. Um, it doesn't look that much unlike Manet. So perhaps he was positioning himself as this person maybe it was him because he was thinking about this bar that actually meant a lot to him yeah. <laughs> as a person um thinking about back on the past and remembering a time when girls liked him yeah um and so there are like i said we don't know exactly what the intention of this painting was so it kind of allows us to go in a lot of different directions um perhaps he was making a commentary on traditional versus modern art um you know the foreground is all rendered very crisply and very skillfully especially you can see like in the, the crystal bowl that holds the oranges well they're probably tangerines because they're a little bit Same smaller difference. than oranges but um in that crystal in the glass that holds the flowers like all rendered perfectly as far as like art art standards go you know as yeah. far as the academy goes the salon the salon um whereas the background it's you know a mirror but it's much more sort of impressionistic, blurry, yeah. sort of slapdash, loose brush strokes. So that 
that's a possibility, you know, as the quote-unquote father of modernism. Um, it's possible that that's sort of what he was trying to show. Um, he was also in this because, like we've talked about, oh, I don't think I mentioned this, that um, he, in his initial sketches, she was much, the reflection was much closer, um, and it is, they figure that, so that he actually painted her in the studio and they think that he had an actual mirror that he was using to paint her from. Um, but he kept, they did x-rays of the painting and you can see he sort of kept moving the reflection over further and further. Like you can see like three or four <laughs> starts of the head. Yeah. And they think that he had a mirror and he was angling it out more and more so the left side of the the mirror would have been pushed further away from him as the artist and so that's part of what would kind of give that sort of weird perspective um because the other thing is that the the um frame that we can see on the right hand side is actually lower than on the left it's not parallel so that would seem to suggest that there's some sort of perspective manipulation of the mirror yeah. as we go. So he painted the one half and then turned the mirror and then painted the other half. I mean, they she painted her and then the reflection was in the tilted right. mirror. Right. Never mind. Okay. Right. Yes. Does yeah. that make sense? <laughs> okay. No, I got it. Yeah. Regarding that, he was showing... And, you know, like we talked about the, the bottles, he's showing multiple perspectives at the same time. Do you remember when we talked about that before? Showing multiple yes. perspectives at the same time? Right. With, do you know what artists we were talking about? Or what movement? Was it Manet? Oh, Picasso. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is Manet. Monet. Golly, yeah. I cannot remember names. I know, it's the worst. Yep. But, yeah, so, you know, they being modern they think you know it's possible that he was kind of thinking within those sort of terms long before cubism became a thing um a quick aside for a different theory um so mary as in the biblical mother of jesus sure was very a very popular image at this time um, there was um, St. Catherine of Labour. I don't know. I don't know French. I think you I'm got so it. sorry, yeah. friends. Um, but um, she had this vision of the Virgin Mary. Um, I don't know a lot about it, but the Virgin Mary appeared to her with her arms out and down with her palms up. And so you would see that on, I mean, even still today, you see it, especially in Catholic uh, iconography, you see it on precious metals, you see it in statues, Mary with her arms sort of in a low V out to her sides, Um, which if you'll take a quick note, um, the same pose that our bartender our barmaid has, which is interesting because the original rendering of her, um, he had her arms crossed in front of her body and he moved her arms when he finally did the painting in the Mm. x-rays. You could see that they were crossed, but in the final version, they're out like that. So it was a 
sort of a postulation of like did he kind of see this bar as sort of his church Hmm. and her being sort of his mary and her his sort of holy metal icon of his syphilitic condition that he was dying from be the symbol of (laughs) a barmaid slash possibly pot prostitute yeah um and you know the commentary of like eve and mary and that kind of juxtaposition i don't know it's a theory it's interesting perhaps also it's a commentary on commoditization the objects on the bar as well as the barmaid behind it are things that are for sale whereas perhaps the reflection shows the purchase of the things for example um, in the reflection the bottles are much closer to the buyer um, and they're in the middle of a transaction perhaps in in the reflection the bass bass ale that's what we decided on yes bass ale um actually has the distinction of being the first trademarked product so Mm. and then if you think about that in the addition of manet putting his signature on a bottle um, it's perhaps him saying that number one he is also a brand and also the painting itself is a commodity to be purchased and valued fascinating we don't know we don't know we don't know what he was trying to say exactly exactly so like i said this was the last masterpiece of his um before his death um but (laughs) my personal favorite is a very silly story but it has been the one thing from my art history class that i always remember about manet despite all of these portraits that you've seen, but despite all of the modernist things that he's done, this is my favorite Manet story. Are you ready? Yes. Art collector Charles Efrusi commissioned Manet to paint a bundle of asparagus, and he agreed to pay 800 francs for it. So Manet painted it for him and gave it to him, and um, when he received the piece, he gave Manet 1,000 francs instead. And so Manet, being the cheeky little guy that he was, painted a second, smaller piece with a single uh, spear of asparagus uh, along with the note, there was one missing from your bundle. (laughs) And it's so playful. They said that he would do that all the time to like friends and family would just like paint these little tiny little pieces for him and i just thought that story was so charming and so funny like (laughs) he did this beautiful piece and because his friend overpaid him he thought well i need to pay him back for that so like oh you forgot this (laughs) it would it's amazing to think of like being able to give somebody something i made and it'd be worth something like that right it's crazy but also funny that he is like yeah uh, kind of a kind of a, this is a cheeky guy jokester yeah so that's manet interesting yeah interesting guy yeah how old sure. is he 
Oh, I can't remember for sure. I think he was like in his 50s when he died. Oh, man. Yeah. Wow. Younger than he should have been. Well, we've kept you all long enough. It's sorry. Been, it's been a long episode. Hopefully, I hopefully got excited. Could... I'm sorry. No, it's great. He was an interesting uh, feller and did some... Uh, it's really interesting, though, looking back at some of those other pieces. You're talking about like these kind of... Um, sorry if you hear our cat in the background. Apparently, he's hungry. Uh, these like thicker brush strokes are like almost messy... But mm-hmm. there's so much detail. Like I was looking at um, the one of the Olympia, is that mm-hmm. her name? Yep. Um, the, like the detail in the pillow and the creases and the, like the, all the bed sheets and stuff is just yeah. remarkably detailed. Well, I mean, you know, like we talk about a lot. I mean, like I said, I, I remember back to before I studied art history and thinking about Picasso. And I thought like, how could a guy like that see faces and paint them with, you know, one eye over here and an ear over there, you know. And you thought, like, that must just be how he sees the world. And then yeah. you learn and you realize, like, oh, no, he could do traditional art and yeah. portraiture and make it realistic. But he's pushing the boundaries similarly. Manet, on the other hand, even though that's what he ended up doing, he was pushing the envelope he wasn't actually trying. He really wanted to conform to the salon. I mean, he was kind of cheeky about it, right. but he appreciated the salon. So many of his con- contemporaries, Monet and a lot of the Impressionists, they ended up kind of bypassing the salon and they would create their own exhibitions. They would kind of come together and you know do their own galleries and things like that but uh-huh. he just kept submitting to the salon the um bar at the folie vergere was submitted to the salon because he had been awarded at the previous one and so he didn't even have to be critiqued to get that one into the hmm. salon um so like even up until the end he was committed to the salon and like the the academy and you know the traditional process which is so interesting because he bucked up against the tradition so yeah. much even though he like really still held to what it stood for he, it's very he, interesting he desperately wanted that validation but right. he also saw the things he didn't like about it yeah and like refused to completely play by the game right it's a really interesting guy yeah yeah well, thanks for sharing, Manet. Thanks for sticking around till the end, we hope. Yeah. Maybe yeah. not. Who knows? Um, maybe, <laughs> we hope you're still here. <laughs> maybe you listen for three minutes and you're like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> People do that. Um, but yeah, we think, thanks for hanging out for, with us. We're not going to keep you any longer. Yeah. Um, Thank you to my girl, my Whiskey Me, for intro and outro music. Yes. Check them out on Spotify and the other places you can hear music. Sure. Yeah, you, you can. I, I listen to them on YouTube music. There you go. Yeah, there you go. Um, and thanks to the listeners. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Thanks for sticking with us. We appreciate you. It's been over a year now. Yeah. And we're not going to stop, even if nobody listens to us, because we enjoy it. <laughs> but we do appreciate our listeners that we do have. You're loyal. You might be few, but you're loyal, <laughs> and I appreciate that. They might be small, but they are mighty. Exactly. Um, yeah. All right. Well, we're going to get out of here. Mm-hmm. Uh go do something else for a bit uh, but i hope you guys get out there and <laughs> enjoy smart uh, when you can check out some stuff online and don't forget 
It's just art. What if you do a cold close? <laughs> just shut it off. <laughs> You're just like mid-sentence. Like, oh no, I like, think he's really interesting. <laughs> I just go, it's just art. <laughs> <laughs>